This is the Feminine Genius Podcast, a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. A lot of Megan Ashley Sokolowski's work is rooted in beauty. As a stylist for Catholic women, she has the opportunity to help women develop their personal style that is unique to them while also being modest and fun. Since clothes are a necessary part of our daily lives, Megan's goal is to make styling as easy as possible. And our hope is that when we can simplify that part of our lives, we can then put our energy towards things like deepening our prayer life. In this episode, Megan shares the role that her older sister played in her personal faith journey, what drew her to styling Catholic women in particular, and her love of Mother Mary, the ultimate style icon. Hi, Megan. Great to be here. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing a little bit of your time with me. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be with you. And yeah, this is going to be great. I'd love to chat with you. Awesome. Okay. Well, Megan, maybe to start off, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do right now? Yes. So my name is Megan Ashley. I run a personal styling business um, dedicated to Catholic women. I started a blog about three years ago after I had worked in San Francisco as a stylist for kind of like a fashion tech company. And when I moved to France with my husband, I decided, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm just going to like focus on Catholic women. And yeah, it's been really wonderful getting to help women with their look and, you know, redo their wardrobe. It can be such a cause of stress for, I think, like 60, 70 percent of women, Mm. you know, it's something so simple that you can alleviate. And um, it's like the first thing we see when we get up in the morning. So, you know, if we can knock out one (laughs) barrier of stress and frustration in our day, we can kind of dedicate our whole like head and heart to prayer and Mm. doing God's will. Yeah. And what a beautiful approach too, because like you said, as you were saying that the first thing that I thought of was just shortly after the fall, of course, Adam and Eve had to sew leaves and or fig leaves to make like loincloths just to cover themselves. And just to think that from that point all the way to where we are now, like clothes are a necessity. And like you said, we wear it all the time, of course, and we think about it a lot. But I'm so excited to dive into this topic with you because I think just as you said it, it flicked a switch in my head. It's like, oh, there's something a little deeper here. So I'm very excited to jump into that. But like you mentioned, you have dedicated this business to Catholic women. But maybe before we jump to that, I would love to hear a little bit of your own faith journey, your personal faith and relationship with God. And yeah, I'll let you share a little bit of that. Sure. So I grew up uh, in a Catholic family, Catholic elementary school, went to Catholic high school. But it wasn't really until my sister, who is about eight years older than I, she was at Columbia University in Manhattan, and she was studying chemistry. And then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden, she came back from college. She was dressing a little more modestly. She was going to daily mass. And we were like, Mm. why are you going to mass on a Wednesday? Like, (laughs) it's not (laughs) Sunday. What are you doing? It was very boggling to us. 
she eventually entered the convent a year after graduating. Wow. She entered the Franciscans and I just knew like my sister is a smart cookie. She had everything laid out in front of her. So whatever she's doing, there's something so real behind it. And so it took a little bit of time for me to kind of like get the cures going and, you know, get on board. But yeah, I think through her prayer, through her sacrifice, and obviously like my parents and with the virtues and the faith they showed me. Once I got to college, I went to Catholic University, played lacrosse there. And yeah, that's kind of where I really got into it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think it was through my parents, obviously, but then the kind of hard conversion that my sister had was very mm. instrumental. Yeah. And that is something that I was not expecting to hear, but I can imagine what a profound impact that might be. And like the subtle changes in the way that she dressed and maybe the way that she carried herself and the fact that she was going to daily mass. Do you remember what your first reaction was when she mentioned to yourself and the rest of your family, like, hey, I want to pursue this religious vocation? I mean, in my head, hearing like, I'm going to enter the convent, like, honestly, the only image I had was Sister Act. <laughs> <laughs> like, that yes. was the only nun. I, I, I mean, who knows nuns now? Like, growing up in Los Angeles, I just, I didn't know what that meant. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it was kind of like, just something so different. You can't really like... I mean, it sounds awful, but like all I had was like the movie Sister Act in my head. And um, so I was really thankful because when I was in eighth grade, she invited me to stay with the convent that she was joining for like a few days. And when I got there, it was totally different than what I thought. Like they were very prayerful, contemplative, but like when we would have dinners, it would be a joy explosion. Like dying laughing so much fun like young nuns but then again like so prayerful and to the book and it was something I just had to get to know because I had no idea of what that really meant oh wow yeah like just how incredible is that and I really appreciate this idea that you were able to you know not only vicariously witness it through your sister but just that opportunity that you had to also join in on their community life to stay with them and wow what an amazing experience to be able to do that oh my goodness yeah very thankful for them and yeah yeah and i can't imagine just how many prayers you have as well like you your family just through the little like powerhouse convent as well given the fact that your sister is there so that's awesome yeah because they really do like adopt the families of you know each sister that joins so even the siblings i know they have a sister in the convent as my sister it's like oh i feel connected to you because you know we have kind of spiritual family oh that's beautiful amazing and so given that, like, you know, you have that lovely, like, relationship to, like, this Franciscan spirituality, and I noticed on your site as well, so you have a degree in theology as well. I believe you went to Franciscan University. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of that, where does fashion and your interest, your love for fashion, where does that come in? Yeah, super. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't have expected it going into Franciscan at all. Mm -hmm. But I grew up in LA, like in high school, I loved fashion, I loved all that. And then I think once I became Catholic, like seriously, like daily mass Catholic, I kind of had this like, ooh, should I be wearing these, you know, fun clothes and kind of like, I'm like, nothing else matters but God, it, it kind of like tunnel vision. And so 
it wasn't until like my last year at Steubenville, um, I kind of had like a change in mindset and kind of reconciled. I feel like we all kind of enter the faith with this like, you know, <laughs> zealous gusto and I'm going to donate everything. And so I kind of definitely went through that. But then I think God kind of helps you like, okay, like here's like a moderate version, like a healthy version of how to kind of attack everything in life. So once I kind of got to that stage for me, like fashion and it can go two routes. Like you, you can go into like, oh my gosh, I have to be like trendy and cool. And it has this like self-conscious aspect to it. Or you can go into like the healthy version of it. Whereas you're more in the mind frame of God is like the king of beauty. And so to kind of do things beautifully is to like, you know, kind of take on an aspect of God. But anyway, so yeah, when I was at Franciscan, my last semester, I was part of the chastity club and there was a woman who was a stylist and she was Catholic and she was going to have a talk there, but I never went to it. And I just emailed her and I was like, Hey, like you're a stylist and you're Catholic. I don't know. just something sparked to me like a month mm -hmm. before graduation. And she kind of led me on the path to get into fashion and it just kind of took off. It was weird. Cause like, I feel like for two years, I was forcing myself to like, no, I'll be a theology teacher. I'll teach high school. Like, I'll just do that. But then mm -hmm. when I told people like, I think I'm going to go into fashion, everyone was like, yes, Megan, like it clicked. And it was weird. Like it, I think it's good to like pay attention to the people around you because they know your mm -hmm. gifts as well. So yeah, it, it was unusual, but so normal and right. Make like that like switch the last month before graduating. <laughs> right. Sometimes it's the people around us that seem to know us better than ourselves just because they have that objective. They're on the outside looking in. And I can totally relate to that. We have these gifts inside of us that I think we know that we have, but sometimes we either push it off to the side or we just don't want to think about it because we think that God has something else in store for us. And I love how you put it on your website too, you know, just making that logical decision to begin a career in fashion and just like how nonsensical that could look to the eyes of the world. But like you said, you know, your friends were just all on board and I'm sure that with their excitement and like just through any peace that comes, like you must have felt really excited. So like you mentioned in your intro, you spent some time working for like a fashion tech startup and I'm sure it must have been interesting to go from a very Catholic Christian oriented environment and go into the throes of a secular fashion industry. So I was wondering what that transition was like and what you saw as you spent some time working in the fashion industry. I mean, San Francisco was like another bear <laughs> just because of that whole vibe of Silicon Valley. In one aspect, I think I could have done it better. I kind of just put my head down and like went for it. But I think, you know, being I'm 32 now, so I'm a little more assured into kind of my way of life. So I think I would attack it differently. But it's interesting because there's definitely moments where God places things in front of you. Like I remember I would always go from daily mass, like in the early morning to write and be the first one in the office. And I had one girl come and she was like, wait, you go to mass like before work? And she's like a fashion girl. And she was so intrigued. She just like popped herself on my table and she was like, was like talking to me about going to mass and God. And, and so I don't know, you don't have to try very hard to have those moments because I think it's so rare to be in that kind of environment. So God's like, here you go. Like, <laughs> just talk and, you know, about the faith and, you know, what you normally do because it is so different. Like, 
a Catholic person's normal life is radically different. So we don't have to like go into theological conversations. I mean, that's great if we can. My brain doesn't really work like that. But yeah, we just talk about our life and how we live. I think it's a great moment for evangelization. And yeah. Mm -hmm. I can't stop thinking about how you were able to bring God to your colleague there. And if you weren't working, and it may even seem kind of like small, like in retrospect, but just the fact that you're open and, and you make that point to have that consistent schedule to the point where you are the first one in the office. And like you said, it doesn't have to be a deeply theological conversation, but that opportunity that presented itself, you know, like you were saying, God kind of put you in that place so that you can be God to your colleague. How wonderful is that? Wow. Like I think, and that just kind of shows, like, I love St. Therese and how we can be very little and just do, like, every, you know, 30 minutes a day, just move on to the next activity. And if we be faithful to that, God will plant those scenarios. Whereas I'm not someone that's as bold to just, like, take a coworker out to coffee and start talking about the faith. So just, like, you know, being faithful to our daily routine. Mm. Yeah, God plants those instances for us and you know all our guardian angels are all working to bring us to god and the faith so kind of have to rely on them too to carry it on (laughs) (laughs) absolutely yeah and just the fact that he was able to just bring you through you know your interest in fashion and you know you had that background in theology as well so if the conversation were to go there like i'd imagine that you'd still be able to have a pretty you know significant conversation with those that are closest to you And I'm thinking about too, like you spent the time working in the fashion industry and it must be a huge step to set maybe your typical nine to five aside and then pursue something for yourself, which is what you're doing now with styling and fashion. What was that conversation like with God when it came to deciding to spread your wings a little bit and then go into doing this for yourself, like a more personal business? I mean... It's much more of like, I don't know, I think the change between being part of a company and employee and kind of building something and then being like your only person to kind of like carry what you think God wants you to do, it kind of put my prayer life and, you know, it can kind of gear you up into overdrive because like you have no one else. I mean, it's like you and you have to make it happen with God. So it's kind of intimidating. I mean, my husband was a big motivating factor in kind of helping me get started. When he told me what kind of like a plan was, I was like, what? Are you kidding me? But I'm like, you know what? You're my husband. I trust you. And so, and I think that's, you know, comes through from God, you know, because you're like one when you're married. It's like a stream of grace to have his insight. And so it's just kind of like a kick into overdrive, I would say. Hmm. Because like you said, it's kind of, you know, instead of having a team to rely on, it's yourself. But ultimately, God, that you're able to work and collaborate with. And in terms of the work that you do now, because you mentioned you do a lot of styling, you work specifically for Catholic women. And maybe like this is the time that like I'd love to dive into like your own philosophy of style and just why it is that you decided to work specifically for Catholic women. I work with some young moms like trying to transition through like pregnancy and nursing and, you know, that whole complicated situation with wardrobe. But then a big, big chunk are moms that are probably like 50 to 75 and Mm. they have spent their whole life dedicated to raising their families. Every ounce of their heart has gone into their families. And now 
their kids have left the nest and they're like, oh my gosh, I have this wonderful life ahead of me being a grandma with my husband or, you know, wherever they are. And they're like, who am I? Like they've spent their whole life poured into other people Mm -hmm. and kind of their closet, their wardrobe is kind of like the last thing they've thought about. And so those are kind of the women that I really, really enjoy working with. And I find too that when I help women, like there's kind of like this other transition that like we're changing their wardrobe, but there's like something else going on too. And they just start to get really like excited for the life ahead of them. It's really fascinating that clothes can kind of trigger that or bring on some other aspect of their life they're working on and kind of like a new beginning or like just a shift and kind of where they're going with their life. And also just the practicality of being a Catholic stylist. First, there's like the modesty issue where, you know, I'm always wanting to make my client feel comfortable with, you know, how coverage she wants to be or wherever she's at. And then secondly, styling women is so personal that Mm -hmm. if we have the faith in common, that's like one barrier kind of knocked down. And so we can kind of have more of a connection, which is so crucial for like understanding who are you? Who do you want to be? What image are you conveying? And so just that kind of familial, almost like friendly connection with both being Catholic is definitely advantageous. Hmm. You know, to your earlier point, like I remember when you you were introducing yourself and you were talking about yeah the wardrobe and just how overwhelming it can be. I think regardless of any age, like we're in this era now where just consumption is at just this all-time high. So we get a lot of clothes, but sometimes we don't really know like how to wear it or how to style it. And I think that's where the trouble starts is we get so overwhelmed. I'm like, oh no, like what do I do? And I think that, you know, the interesting thing that comes up for me is that I think many times within Catholic circles, it comes up, and I think you may have touched on this as well, where how much should we put into our appearance, especially as women? Like, is it vain to put in a lot of work or a lot of time into our appearance, into our fashion? Should we be spending that time on something else rather than sifting through a closet or shopping or whatnot? And I guess this isn't so much of a question, but I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on that, because I'm sure that this is something that given the intersection of your interests it's something that you must have thought about quite a bit. Totally. So I would say like, if we carve out maybe three, six months of the next year and figure out, okay, what is my style? How do I want to build my wardrobe? What is the practicality of my life? How do I need to like just engineer my closet so that I'm actually not thinking about it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, I love fashion and, and that's a hobby of mine. So yeah, I'll think a little bit more about it. It's enjoyable for me. But a lot of women, it's not that enjoyable. Like they just need something that works, something they don't need to stress, something they don't need to focus on. So if you really like just take the time to educate yourself or get outside help and kind of map it out, really like build it like a puzzle piece. Who am I? What does my life look like? And how do we make that happen with my wardrobe? You will free your headspace up so much. You'll have more time to just focus on your family, to be more positive, to pray, attack your mission, to feel confident, to not be self-conscious. So Mm -hmm. I am of the mindset to just Take some time, figure it out so that you're not worried about it at all. Because I feel like so many women are in like this like hamster wheel of stressing Mm -hmm. about our closet and what we're wearing. But like when we learn what flatters us, when we learn the fabrics, the cuts, we feel great and 
it's, it's not even a, a thought in our mind. So there's that part. But then the other part I would say is to do things beautifully for God. So we can engineer wardrobe that is beautiful for God for Sunday Mass. If you think about, okay, like, how do I want to dress? You know, if you were going to meet the Queen of England, you'd want to put on your best outfit. So like every Sunday, we're meeting the King of Heaven. So Mm. if we put that as our pinnacle, okay, how do I want to look for that? That's a good inspiration. So I think part of it is to relieve stress, make it practical. The other part is that as Catholics, we can do things beautifully for God. So I think there's, yeah, those two aspects. Mm, yeah. And especially that last point that really resonates with me. I mean, practical, absolutely. Like sign me up for something that is quick and easy, but also it just helps me feel good. But I think that second half that you were talking about, just this idea that God himself, he created all of us in his image. He created us to be man and woman, just beautiful beings. And like, I think that it's true that, you know, we as ourselves, like we're already so beautiful, but especially like for women, like we have that, you know, real feminine beauty. And what are some ways that we can enhance it rather than detract from it? Because I'm sure that that's, that's a, it's a pretty important focus is not to like cover ourselves up to the point where we're trying to take away from the beauty, mm-hmm. but how do we enhance it? How do we enliven it and really bring that to the center because we are God's creation? Yeah. And I think it also shows like respect for God and respect for the people we're around by dressing for them, like dressing up. Because, you know, like if you dress comfy, you're like, okay, like you're kind of thinking about yourself. Like, I just want to be comfortable. I want to relax. But like, you know, if you wear like a nice outfit, you're like, oh, wow, this person, like they're excited to see me. There's also something we can do for our neighbor. Wow. I never thought about it that way. Yeah, that's a really critical point because I was just going to ask you about something very similar to that. But that point that you just made about, you know, really taking the time. Yeah. And like not to maybe like go totally overboard, but like you say, like taking that care and appropriate time and attention to not only show ourselves that, you know, hey, like we can also show up for God, but also show up for neighbor. Just taking that time and intention to go about and show them that they are important. So we were going to take the time to get ready and prepare for an encounter with them. So I, I find that to be really beautiful. And like, thank you for highlighting that. And I think even too, like it might not mean dressing to the nines, or you could think about the friend if you're meeting them for lunch, like, How do they dress? Are they more of a casual person? Are they more of a dressy person? Like, how can I make them A, know that I care and B, like feel comfortable and good and, you know, inspire. But there's a level of thinking about them, who they are and like, okay, how am I going to dress to kind of respect them? Yeah. Right. Because the other thing that I was thinking about when it comes to dressing for respect was I'm sure another thing that may come up with you in terms of thinking about your own style philosophy or working with particularly Catholic clients, is that I know that within the rhetoric of fashion, there's always like the talk of modesty, right? Like modesty and chastity. And you mentioned that during your time at Franciscan, you were part of the chastity club. And you know, I was curious to know from your point of view, just like what it means, I think, to dress modestly, chastely in a way that's appropriate. I think that the general misconception is that like you have to not draw attention to yourself mm-hmm. or, you know, kind of wear turtlenecks all the time or wear something really dull or like long dresses where you can't see your feet. And obviously, like, it's a pretty poor conception of what that is because I feel like it's almost like really extreme. But 
yeah, I was curious to know like what you thought about chastity, modesty, and how that fits into fashion when it comes to thinking about Catholic women and beauty. Yeah. So, I mean, I I would think the intention, like you just never want to like showboat your body. Like you want people to see something other than your figure. You don't, A, want to make people feel uncomfortable. And um, I'd always say, a little more is better than a little less. So if you're ever like weary, go more. But I think like you do have to have beauty like kind of in mind when you do dress modestly because it's like the intention, but that doesn't mean to sound relative, like there aren't any rules. I think our common sense is a lot stronger and we can often like talk our way in and out of things. And I think if we go with our gut, like, okay, what would I wear? If you can wear it to church and to mass and it's easy to overcomplicate it. Like I can hardly talk mm. about it. So I'm probably overcomplicating it. <laughs> um, yeah, just don't showcase the body. It's about, you know, who you are, your face. It's not about, you know, your figure all the time um, or anytime. It's <laughs> yeah, gosh, this is like, it's such a hard question. I'm like butchering it. Oh, no worries. I think the reason why I bring it up and yeah, just before you totally blew my mind about, you know, thinking about neighbor as well, is that I know that that comes up a lot when it comes to, you know, dressing in a certain way. It's also like, how can we be charitable to our neighbor as well? And yeah, yeah, it's a tricky part in the conversation where there are conversations that come up around like, you know, the way that women dress and then how do men either understand it? How do they react to that? And I'm sure that there are people who would say it's like, well, we just need to raise better boys, better men in a way that, you know, when we kind of show up, that they are going to reverence us, that they're going to respect us. And at the same time, like you hear a conversation about like on the flip side where it's like, well, why can't I just wear whatever I want? But I feel like that's kind of the beautiful thing about where you're coming in is that like you said, it doesn't have to be, nor should it just be all about the body. And modesty is not necessarily covering up the body because we're ashamed of it. But really it's like, we should be reflecting who God is to the world. Like we are tabernacles and we know that tabernacles in our church are so, they're so reverent. They're covered in a certain way that it should attract people to it. But like what is on the inside versus what do we look like on the outside? I guess if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Going back to like the altar and the tabernacle, like when you go to mass and the priest uses like I don't know what the name is, like the proper name, but there's like that little covering that goes over like the chalice and the ciborium after communion. Mm -hmm. It like usually will match his vestment. And mm -hmm. I just think like, that's so cool. We're using like fabrics to like convey a truth that the priest is in persona Christi and in the ciborium in the chalice is Christ. And that connection mm -hmm. is like so amazing. And I just think like, and that's with like fabric. You can like, like we're human. We need tangible things to like raise our eyes to heaven mm. just to kind of, yeah, bring it home now, veiling ourselves. And what are we saying with the clothes we put on? Yeah. One of the beautiful things that I love when I go to mass is to admire the vestments of the priest or the deacon. And, and I think it's in his mercy as well as in his love for us. Like he knows that we need those very tangible 
physical signs of, like you said, you know, the fact that the priest is acting in the person of Christ, that he is there among us. We are just ordinary human beings, and yet we get to participate every week in the most beautiful wedding feast. And the fact that there's these beautiful fabrics and every other part, like whether it's like incense or the music, we're able to participate in that more fully. Our eyes are lifted up so that we can see him in the mass and through all of these physical outward signs. Yeah. Yeah. We're like little, like we need, you know, the physical to like raise our eyes or we can use the physical like as a means to point our heads and hearts into the right direction. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, like just with all of this, like I know that you, you obviously you spend a lot of time working with different clients and, you know, you spend a lot of time like thinking up and dreaming about and working with fashion. And I know that you also wrote a book as well. Like it's called The Catholic Wardrobe, Musings from a Personal Stylist. And I was wondering what the inspiration was to put together a book and really to, I'm sure, put together a lot of the thoughts that you have, a lot of the the musings, so to speak, into like pen and paper, and then of course into a book. So I really just wanted like a practical guide. Like if someone was like, okay, like, you know, I might not be able to have a stylist help me or shop for me, but I really want to fix my wardrobe on a budget. This is like, you buy this book, you literally put on a shelf in your closet and you just work through it page by page. And by the end of getting through this book, you will have a transformed closet. You will know how to find your personal style. You'll know like the building blocks of to flattering your figure, but then it also incorporates sacramentals and how to mm. wear the miraculous medal and the scapular and the Marian devotion ring, or, you know, however you want to like wear that to show your consecration. I'm a big advocate of sacramentals. <laughs> I just think like these are like streams of grace that are like right there in front of us. We can wear them. I love that like Mary just like appears all over the world and she's like, here, wear this because I'm your mother and you need something to know <laughs> and something that I can like work through and just give you all the grace you need. So it's a combination of personal style, being very practical with how to flatter your figure, build your closet and then incorporate the faith. And one other thing, I guess this would touch more upon the musings part of the book, but I just love that like when Mary appears, what she's wearing, it like says something. So like mm. her blue belt or the stars on her mantle, like when she appears, she uses her clothes. Like it's so mm -hmm. cool. <laughs> right. Again, like I, I feel like there have been a lot of just mind-blowing moments for me in this conversation, Megan, but you're absolutely right. Maybe I need to spend more time like reflecting on that, but it goes to show that every part of our faith is just so intentional and just exactly to your point there. And again, something that I've never really thought about, but I think I need to pay a little more attention to is just like how intentional Mary is, like when it comes to where she shows up, where she appears, and what is it that these garments that she's wearing, what is it that it says? And we can say the same thing about, you know, like the colors of, we were mentioning vestments earlier, so it's like yeah, the color of the vestments, what does that convey about the current time that we are in, in the church yeah, like I can't get over just how personal and intentional things are. And it goes to show that God's love for us, the way that he approaches us is not 
just kind of vague or he doesn't kind of generally just shows up and be like, okay, like I'm here, but he's very intentional. Like he will think very clearly about it. And it just, you know, Mary is the same. Like I read something online um, and I put this in my book. I, I mentioned who kind of discovered this or kind of wrote about it, but even like Mary back in the old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant, I guess like they covered it with like blue tassel or something. And that's like why Mary has, it's connected to Mary's a new Ark of the Covenant bearing the bread of life. And so like, that's why she has that blue around her waist thinking like that. It goes back to the old Testament and like, it's like crazy. Like God like wraps it up with a bow. <laughs> it's like amazing. Amen. Yeah. The ultimate designer, ultimate creator, and just from the very beginning of time. And yeah, I mentioned Adam and Eve and just how they created those clothes out of practicality, but just realizing that we were made for so much more and just how he very intentionally sets things up for us. So I love that so much. And I guess maybe just like as we tie it all together, like I was curious if you have like any advice, I think, like for any woman, um, you know, when it comes to thinking about their personal style, when it comes to approaching something like that, and maybe they're like worried about how can I find that balance of, you know, clothing and fashion and, and modesty, all of those things. Like what advice do you have for women who are seeking out their personal style? I would always say like, First, of course, take it to prayer. Like, honestly, Mary, she is our mother, but like, you know, spiritual. And we can think of it like lofty, like, you know, progressing in the spiritual life. But like, she's also so practical. Like, honestly, I find the best dresses when I pray to Mary before <laughs> I go shopping. Like, I think she can really guide you. Like, I don't know, I going back to St. Therese the little way, like, you know, all of our little things about our life, the things we think aren't important or that we're overstressing about, bring them to Mary, and then she'll just get us on the path. So a decade of the rosary or a little Hail Mary, she'll kind of align us. But two parts, one would be like, you have to be very practical. So if you do want to make a change, you have to like write down steps, how you're going to make a change to find your style or to build your wardrobe. And the second is to always have Mother Mary like as your North Star. Kind of like when you walk out the room, think, okay, like what would Mary think? I don't know. This might sound really corny, but we can't do anything without her. So yeah, just prayerfulness to Mary and God and always started out with a prayer, but then also, you know, don't use that as an excuse to not do anything and make practical steps to figure out, okay, what am I going to do? When people make the initiative to change and we have like the guidance, spiritual guidance and we're good, but also it should be fun too. Like it shouldn't be like overly stressful. Like it, it should be an enjoyable experience. And I think mm -hmm. when it is fun, when it is enjoyable, that's when it's going to be a success. But if it ever feels too much, it's probably best to like curb it for a couple months and then come back to it. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. And Mary being the true model of the feminine genius of feminine beauty and the feminine heart. Like I can't think of a better example to follow after. So I love that you mentioned her and just speaking on the feminine genius, like Megan, I'd love to hear, you know, given all of the work that you've done and, I love that story that you told at the beginning of your sister and how she had her own deeper conversion to the faith and that led you to have your own. When you think about your own personal feminine genius, how have you seen that flourish in your own life? I think a big part 
of femininity. And what I do is to nurture, like being a woman to nurture is huge and also encourage. And so for myself, like to nurture, I think of it as like, okay, I'm going to teach someone how to find their style, how to build their closet. And to encourage is when we're doing our style and we're doing fashion, it takes a little boost. So you do have to like help them out and be like a little cheerleader in the corner because mm-hmm. it might be uncomfortable at times. But I think, yeah, as women, like nurturing and encouraging is huge. Like we have such a gift to do that. And so those are like two parts that I've really seen me having to kind of like flex with what I do. Yeah. And I think too, like what you do, like you encourage women by your podcast and you nurture by like all your teaching. So this is, yeah, it's cool to see how, like, that's how I see nurturing, encouraging and what I do, but I can see it in you too. Mm. So yeah, it's neat. Oh, well, thank you so much, Megan. I appreciate you saying that. Like you've been, you know, just from the time that we met almost maybe an hour ago, you've been just a source of encouragement to me. So I really appreciate that. And I appreciate the work that you're doing to encourage women to take that time to care for themselves and to recognize the beauty that is already inherent and deep within them and just how you're able to help women grow in that. So thank you so much for what you do and for your time today and just for sharing a little bit of that. And as we close, I was wondering if you could lead us in a prayer. Sure. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Megan, thank you so much. Thank you. It was so fun to talk to you. You were a joy. Thanks again to Megan Ashley Sokolowski for joining me on the Feminine Genius Podcast today. You can learn more about the work that Megan does as well as see some of her fabulous outfits by following her on Instagram at Megan Ashley Styling and by checking out her website, MeganAshleyStyling.com. I've left links to these in the episode description below. You can stay up to date with the Feminine Genius Podcast by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at FemGeniusPod. And you can listen to this podcast wherever you find your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many other platforms. All of this information can be found on our home on the web, FeminineGeniusPodcast.com. We'll talk to you soon, and God bless always.